TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Happy hump day, people. I'm Seth Gruen. Sitting in for the coach. Other than that, not much has changed. Behind the glass is our producer, Dave Olson. Big Doug's going to be checking in in a few. And actually, the coach will be back tomorrow, right, Dave? Dave just gave me the nod. He'll be back tomorrow. Finally, 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 week 16 of the 2010 NFL season is over. Vikings-Eagles game postponed until Tuesday due to weather. Although there are rumors that the Eagles postponed it. Because they didn't want Michael Vick running in the snow. I don't buy that. Either way, it didn't matter. The Vikings shocked the Eagles. 24-14 and shake up the NFC a little bit. I know when the big dog calls in, he's going to be smiling ear to ear because that means the Bears, the, that loss, that, that, that Eagles loss means the Bears won't be check, won't, will not be playing football a week from Sunday. They'll have a bye. They're guaranteed the second seed in the playoffs. I don't know if anybody noticed this. But Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels were so shocked that the Vikings were beating the Eagles, it was almost as if they weren't even ready for it. I mean, uh, the Vikings were two-point dogs in Philadelphia. And it was like Collinsworth and and, 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 and Michaels were, were screwing up things. Like, Collinsworth at one point said, well, so now should the, should the Bears, the Bears have nothing to play for. Are they going to play their starters in Green Bay? Well, th- then somebody goes in their earpiece, Airpiece, Lovey Smith said he's going to play his starters in Green Bay, which we don't know for sure yet. But I mean, you should be up to date with what he said. And then he's like, "Well, well, they got nothing to play for." Well, actually, and then Michaels goes, "Actually, if the Falcons and Saints lose, they have a shot at the first seed," which is which is something interesting. This is something interesting, in my opinion. The Eagles, this is the second best of three scenarios, three three possible scenarios for the Eagles. The Eagles could have lost today or next week and then would have relinquished the second seed to the Bears, which they did uh, by losing to Minnesota, as I previously, previously said. Or they could have won out the, the rest of the season and the Bears could have won in Green Bay and the Bears would have gotten the second seed. Uh, that's the worst situation because they would have need to play three games in 12 days or the most unlikely win out the Bears losing Green Bay and they would have gotten that second seed. Well, that that's gone. But this way, I think the Eagles get a chance to uh, sit their guys. Vic was clearly hurt. They could send to Sean Jackson, LaShawn McCoy, all their big guns. They could be nice and fresh for that first round game in Philadelphia. And the big dog is joining us. Big dog, what's going on? You happy today? Uh, well, I'm I'm ecstatic over the Chicago Bears, but that's like the only little bit of solace I have because the money pit of the Palace out here in Aurora keeps on bleeding. Uh, as uh, we have another repairman here, it's a monthly thing. Something in the house blows. What, what's okay. going on? What what blew up today? Today, well, I guess it isn't so bad because uh, technically this is one of the cheaper things. We have a uh, the garage door, the spring blew, and if anybody knows about garage doors, you cannot do not. Fix a spring by yourself because that could actually kill you. Uh, I, I, 
if you have to, when you have to change one of those things, you have to crank it, crank it, crank it, and eventually, if you don't do it right, it'll pop, and basically, you get like a finger, a hand, an arm, or a neck tore off. Ugh. So, I decided uh, we're paying the 180 bucks, and they're fixing it. It's not so bad. That's but not bad. But t- every single month, you know, like a furnace here, a dryer here, you know, the, the air conditioner there, stove here, you know, it starts adding up. You know, t- so actually, 180 dollars today, not so bad. Well, technically, the garage isn't really your problem. You don't have a car. I own the house. Right. So everything is my problem. I guess, I guess. But in the interim, the short term. Yeah, but, uh, you know, when, uh, you know, it's 2 o'clock in your morning, the buddy comes home, and you're the one that has to run out there and actually open the garage door for him. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's not good. You know, especially when you got company over. You know, you got you to gotta fix the door. That's so. true. That's true. Did, did you get a chance to watch some football yesterday, or did this? Are you, uh... are you kidding me? That's, that's all I do, basically. I go in front of the computer, which is downstairs. And uh, I search for jobs. Uh, then uh, that, that's a good I, thing. I watch football all day long. That's basically it's it's what I do. I watched all three football games. Uh, the 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 best player that we watched all day yesterday was Russell Wilson of North Carolina State. I, I absolutely love that kid. He was phenomenal against West Virginia. Uh, and then watched you know then I went back and forth from the the pro football game and then eventually was able to watch Iowa versus Missouri and what a ball game that ended oh, up. Oh god, being. yeah, that comeback. Woo. Oh my goodness. And you know everybody's talking about Blaine Gabbert. He's such a such a smart, handy quarterback. Makes all the throws. Doesn't have the biggest arm, but he always makes the right decision with the ball. Well, his his last throw he ever made as well. I guess you know it wasn't his last throw. But uh, the interception that he threw last night was one of the worst throws I have ever seen in my entire life, and that cost Missouri the ball game against Iowa. So. Yeah, well, you know what? What really had more implication on you and me being uh, being big Bears fans was that game Tuesday, and the game last night, and obviously, as I mentioned earlier, with the Eagles' loss, the Bears lock up that second seed. Now it, it brings up sort of you know the the same conversation we have every year: should should teams be sitting their players and resting them for the playoffs well i think i think the answer for the eagles is pretty obvious that they should because they have three games in 12 days vicks hobbled hey you don't want a deshaun jackson or a LaShawn mccoy to go down but i think the bigger question is with our chicago bears i mean should they sit their guys lovey smith when he came in and took the job said that he wants to do three things he wants to win the division win the super bowl and beat the green bay packers and, and sort of put the packers on that same level and I know he wants this game, but simultaneously, they may be playing for nothing. Now, they still have a chance, uh, as Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels said last night, they still have a chance at getting that first overall seed and home field advantage throughout. It's unlikely. They need the Falcons and the Saints to both lose. Now, the Falcons and Saints both play at 1 o'clock, so they'll know. Yeah, that's uh, a beautiful uh, thing. Right, uh, which, is, which is, yeah, it's about the one scheduling mistake the the NFL made. Other than that, they have all the teams still in the hunt, playing, uh, playing at the same time, so no, nobody can sit out their guys. But but would you, assuming that that either the Saints or the Falcons win, if you're Lovey Smith, what do you, do, you, do you sit your guys? Oh, this is uh, if the, if it's if they no longer can get the number one uh, pairing, and uh, by the way, you have to throw this in there: the Giants win. Right, right. Gotta throw that in there. So now the game matters to the Packers. But the Giants and the Packers are playing at the same time. Those are both four fifteen games. Oh, they're both okay. They're right, right. Okay. And, and I didn't it, it, that. In fact, in fact, I was talking earlier before you got on about how Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth weren't even prepared for the Vikings to win this game. And Collinsworth goes, "Well, 
Now you basically have knocked the Giants out of the playoffs because the Bears don't need to play their players and the Packers will beat them. Well, yeah, yeah. He, he didn't realize they still, you know, had a shot, had an outside shot at the number one seed. Yeah, and and just throwing that out there, who says that if if uh, Caleb Haney and Chester Taylor are playing that the Bears can't beat the Packers? Just just throw no it one. out there, you know. No I mean? one. So, but okay. So now here's here's what I do if I'm Lovey Smith in this situation. I tell every single one of my players that you're going to play. We're going there to beat the Green Bay Packers. Okay. And then I also realized that on that Monday meeting, I'm going to let them know that we had a scaled-down uh, uh, game plan, so just in case the Packers win, so they don't take anything away from it psychologically if in case they lose. Right. But I go in there, and then I, I go with the most basic game plan as possible. You don't show Green Bay anything. As a matter of fact, you play the same exact game plan that they won with uh, on Monday night in what, the third or fourth week of the season. Exactly the same game plan. So you don't give Green Bay anything new in case you have to play him again in the playoffs. And then I pull my starters uh, probably midway through the through the third quarter. Yeah, yeah, I, I, th- I think I agree with most of that. Um, but, you, but you prepare, you keep these guys honed. You keep them preparing like they're playing for the whole entire ballgame because they got a week off. And I don't want them to have two weeks off. In some it, it would be three. It would be three because from, from last weekend's game to this game, to, to next weekend's game, then to the bye, then to the playoff game in the second round well i i i would assume that they're actually gonna prepare well yeah like they're gonna a, like a but, real but preparation especially in the nfl isn't isn't that kind of game speed that you i mean it's not that hard hitting you know it's not a high school practice i i, I agree with you i think it should be played like a preseason game because yeah, I, I think there's something to be said for time off the buy is huge you get guys healthy however or steven jackson would say however you you, you know you can't you can't take too much time off. There, there is something to be said for rust in midseason form. And if you notice, when guys, you know, first couple of weeks of the season, guys aren't as good as they are now, or in the middle of the season. Maybe by now they're they're, they're maybe by now some teams have a lot of injuries. But the Bears have been lucky. So okay, I, I think lucky. you play it like a preseason game. Let them get that game work in, and then as you said, take them out in the second half or the third quarter. But I'll tell you one thing, Big Dog. These Green Bay Packers, I don't want to see them in the playoffs. They scare me. They scare me in the playoffs. So I wouldn't mind taking care of them this week. Well, that that would be nice. Um, it would be nice because I wouldn't mind knocking them off for the simple fact is I want the Bears to play the Giants so badly. And I know that the Giants would be the sixth seed, and the only way the Bears would actually end up playing them is in the NFC Championship game. So I doubt that's a very unlikely possibility. But I, I just I cannot and this is, don't forget the, the Packers if they get in the only way the Bears would see them is in the NFC Championship game too. Right. So I would have no problem facing the Bears the, the Bears facing the Packers in the NFC Championship game, especially considering that uh, the Packers would have played all these games in a row that mattered so much, and the fact that if the Bears do what we say, they won't lose anything psychologically by losing to the Packers because they'd be like, right. yeah. We 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 half assed it out there, and they we can did. maybe get they can maybe get a look at what the Packers like to do against them. Exactly, and like let the Bears run the dive play, let them run a couple of comebacks on the outside, let them play uh, Tampa two for ninety nine percent of the snaps on defense, and totally just not give anything up, not give nothing up to them. Play the most basic vanilla game plan you possibly could play. That's fine. Yeah, I agree. And and likely if if the Packers are in the playoffs, the Bears will be coming off a loss. So. You know, it's easier 
especially when you meet these division opponents in the playoffs, it's easier to game plan when you've you've lost once. Because as we know, it's 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 very difficult to beat teams three times in the right three times in a season. You know what? That that's not true in the NFL. In college basketball, it happens all the time. In the NFL, when most of the time when you uh, a team uh, when you play a division team that you've beaten twice in the regular season, you almost always beat them in the the third time. But uh, let, let's face it, there's there's not much separation between the Bears and the Packers. Okay, there really isn't because this. Besides the fact that the Bears have a stronger running game than the Packers, the Packers are right now. Yeah, the Packers are pretty, pretty at least even with the Bears in every other respect of the game. Maybe even ahead of them in some respects. But you know, I could care less if you throw for more yards. Every single game, you can look in game in game out. Teams that throw for more yards typically lose. Except the Packers, they tend to throw for more yards than the other team, and they win. That's they're like the only team in the NFL that can actually do it. So. Well, either way, either way, big dog, it'll be it'll be a last minute decision. We're gonna we're gonna head into our first break, and then I want to talk about something for next football season. Big dog, we're gonna talk about what last night's win over the Eagles means for the Minnesota Vikings in 2011. Right after the short break. Back into two guys in a mic, Seth Gruen in the studio, the big dog checking in via, is it the Palace and Aurora hotline? Is that where you are today? Yeah, that, that's where I probably will be waking up here for the, the same place for the next couple of days, to be quite honest, which is good for me. Yeah, that so, is good. What time you been waking up? Uh, it depends. Yesterday I woke up at 7.30. Today I woke up at uh, at exactly uh, 8.58. You, very very good sleep wow. that I had last night. Because I I was worried when I called you I woke you up. Do you did you you get your workouts in in the morning? Uh, sometimes I do. Like yesterday I uh, see I like to run when it's brutally cold. Like see people oh, really? they tend to think oh I want to lose weight so they put on a bunch of like sweat gear and stuff and they they try to sweat it out and what they don't realize is yes you lost a bunch of water weight but in order to actually burn energy you're better off working out in extreme cold. What happens is when you work out in extreme cold, your body burns glucose at a much higher rate, okay? And when you burn glucose, your body then goes into your fat stores. So, like, if you want to lose 10 pounds by 8 o'clock tonight, put on as much baggage as you possibly can. You'll sweat it out, and then after you drink, you'll be right back into the same way. But if you really want to burn weight and keep it off, people should not wear a lot of excess, uh, like, body stuff. If you want to burn fat, you should work out in this cold uh, uh a place as possible and work out as hard as possible. So I should so, like, go into the steam room. Run down the street in just a t-shirt and shorts, like today, and they'll be like, "He's out of his mind." And I was like, "Yeah, that's why I'm skinny, though." So, so I sh- I shouldn't go into the steam room after I work out. Like I, uh, I love the schwitz. 
well, the steam room after you work out, don't think you're burning any fat. You're just oh, I don't. Fat. I just I find it relaxing. That that is the that is the Jewish workout. The Jewish way. No, I that work out hard. You go in there, I lift. You go on the I do some cardio. Five minutes. Yeah. Go on the tread. Go on the treadmill for five minutes. You hit on the girl behind the counter, and you buy yourself a shake, and then you go into the steam room for a half hour, and you come out and you're like, oh, I'm exhausted. Yeah. I, I, I worked. I mean, I was a personal trainer at that Morton Grove uh, Valley Total Fitness. I mm-hmm. mean, that's basically what it is. I I was gonna say, you know, that's that's why that's why we're not professional athletes. We just own the teams. And write about them, so it's all beautiful. And write about them, yeah. And talk about them. We, which, which, which we got to do. We got to give the Vikings their due, right? They upset oh, the Eagles. Good. They still played hard. And Joe Webb, my God, he was impressive. He and I didn't realize until they mentioned it, until Al Michaels mentioned it. Joe Webb ran the same combine forty as Michael Vick, four four five. <clears throat> now I'm not making any comparisons to him, but the big question is, Big Dog, does Joe Webb? Get a chance to start next year. Should should he be given the opportunity? There is no doubt in my mind that Joe Webb should be given a, a chance to start. For I, the, I agree. For the Vikings next year because uh, Brett Favre is gone. He showed me a lot more in yesterday's game than Tavares Jackson ever showed me. So right there, unless they are able to draft Andrew Luck, you got to figure you got to throw him into the mix. You know, and I, right. I don't want to get too much into the whole Minnesota Vikings thing, but. I'll throw this out there. Maybe he ran the same uh, combine uh, 40 time as Michael Vick, 4.45. But I guarantee you if they timed him in the shuttle run, Michael Vick would have absolutely obliterated well, yeah. it. And I will hey, take look, shuttle uh, run any day over 40 time because that's stopping and starting, and that's what it's all about in the NFL. Look, so. it's, 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 not about, it's not about 40 times or – uh, you know, shuttle times or how much how much a guy can bench press 225 or how many yards he throws for. We know it's about wins and losses. Joe Webb came up with a big win last night, but it brings up sort of a bigger, uh, uh you know, a bigger uh, sort of not conundrum or but but decision that's gonna you know, the Vikings are gonna be settled with this offseason. You're, you're gonna in between the Super Bowl and the draft, you're gonna hear a lot about the possibility of of the Vikings bringing in Donovan McNabb or other teams that need a quarterback. Is that an option? Or should they go for one of the four quarterbacks that's going to be drafted in the first round? Andrew Luck out of Stanford, Cam Newton out of Auburn, Ryan Mallett out of Arkansas, and Jake Locker out of Washington. Dude, if somebody takes Jake Locker, they just lost. I, I agree. See, I do not believe that you a team that doesn't have a quarterback should automatically take a quarterback that next year in the draft. I, 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 Look where it got the Carolina agree. Panthers. Although they I spent a second-round pick. And you disagree? I completely agree with that. Yeah. I mean, you should draft. You, you shouldn't draft a quarterback. Well, well, maybe this guy's going to be good. We're not sure because there are so many guys that you're not sure about. You know, for for all the criticism Josh McDaniels took for drafting Tim Tebow, I give him credit because he took him in the first round. He thought this guy was going to be legitimate. It's yet to be determined. It's yet to be. But he picked a guy he thought was going to be good, not just the best quarterback on the board because he thought they needed a quarterback. Don't forget that he traded down twice and still got the guy. Right. No, he I mean, added and accumulated picks. Oh, and by the way, one of those first round picks will be next year. This was one coming up. Right. So, I mean, the whole the Tim Tebow selection now by Denver, considering that they dropped twice and got a, a collection of picks, looks actually really smart right now. Mm-hmm. So, not now. I'm not saying go way of the Lions. I'm not saying take four receivers. You know four straight years in a row because that's the best guy available on the board. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying don't let a guy be your de facto starting quarterback because he's just there in the draft. 
Well, you definitely don't take receivers four years in a row in the draft. And, and by the way, the only great one that they took was Charles Rogers because before he broke his clavicle, he was going to end up being one of the greatest receivers the NFL ever saw. And then, then the whole drug thing happened. And next, you know, who right now he's in some crack house somewhere, and I'm not kidding. That is one of the saddest stories ever. The other guys, I, I could not believe they drafted those guys. That I didn't like any of them. But wide receiver just throwing it out there is the most overrated position in football. I don't, everybody, oh, look at his wide receiver. All I know is this, uh, Terrell Owens and Ocho Cinco, everybody was talking about, oh, look at that matchup. They're going to the Super Bowl because they got two great receivers. Well, they didn't do anything this year. And by the way, the first game that they played this year where the, the Bengals played where they didn't have those two receivers, the Bengals won and had their best passing game of the season. So, so well, you, I, so you, you I, don't, but well, maybe, maybe that's just a dysfunctional team. Well, I also just, I think in general, look at, oh, Randy Moss is incredible. Well, the, the Patriots got rid of him, and ever since then, their offense has just absolutely been incredible. It's been unstoppable. But again, you're, you're giving examples. Those are the three biggest divas in football, Big Dog. I mean, the, well, th- those guys could be considered, you know, the biggest locker room irritants in football. Well, I was just getting to you. What I, what I was trying to tell you is, Quarterback and wide receiver are also just. I was just throwing it in the fact that I just I can't stand all these people when they think the receivers make a difference. Receivers are the least important position on your football team. Period. You give if you have a quarterback with a lot of time and a strong running game, an average receiver will look phenomenal. It, but it, yeah, but it depends on your offense too. I mean, look in a perfect world in a vacuum, I don't care who your quarterback is, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. If you could run the ball in every single play and get first downs, you run the ball in every single play and you don't pass it. Because you control the clock in football, the best defense is a good offense that can keep the ball out of the opposing offense's hands by running the ball. Absolutely, I completely agree. But you look at the Eagles, for example. You don't think Deshaun Jackson and Jeremy Macklin is a formidable one-two punch at receiver? I mean, I mean, big plays. The the big play is becoming more and more germane in football now. There are there are differences. I I, I totally understand that, but I, I just think. That there, it, there's too much value given to these guys a lot of times. Look at the fact that the Eagles, for years before Macklin and Deshaun Jackson were taken, for years all they did was take offensive linemen in the first round. No one ever mentions the fact that Philadelphia has a great offensive line year in and year out. The Winston Jones of the world and, and the Kevin Rooters just dominate. They year traded in and for year Jason out. Peters. I, 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 I agree. Yeah, and, Jason and I, was just, I was just saying that quarterbacks and wide receivers, those positions are the hardest to evaluate. So if you take a wide receiver, like if you take a great quarterback, in, if you take a quarterback in the first round and he ends up being great, it was worth it because great quarterbacks can really correct a lot of bad things on your team. Well, I, I'll, I'll, if, if you're right on a wide receiver. It might not help you all that much, is all I'm saying. Is that that's why if yeah. since those positions are so hard to grade, if you take a wide receiver in the first round, you had better be right. Right. It's 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 like getting a nice house with marble, you know, with granite counters and stuff, but the infrastructure be all wrong and and, and the plumbing be bad, and you not to have any working toilets or or the house falls on you. I mean, I agree. You need somebody to get them the ball, and it's it's the chicken or the egg concept. Do you do you need an, a strong offensive line? first or a good quarterback first well i i think now the nfl is kind of dictated you need a better line you want your quarterback to come in in a good situation but in terms of what you were saying about receivers i'll do one up on you when you look at those skill position players receivers and running backs i i don't even look at them anymore as receivers and running backs i look at them as good football players as playmakers 
I don't, I don't differentiate the two positions. Deshaun Jackson, what is he? Well, he's not a wide receiver. He's dangerous when you get the ball in his hands. I mean, look at running backs like Matt Forte and Reggie Bush. What do they do best? Catch the ball in space and make plays. Not run the ball between the tackles necessarily, although I know Matt Forte is having a nice 8-9 game stretch. I mean, what does a guy like Percy Harvin do? I mean, how many times do you see him have big plays off a reverse or, or an end around, or how many times do they line him up in the backfield? I mean, the, these are guys, you're talking about playmakers. You want playmakers. Not running backs, not wide receivers, not tight ends, not quarterbacks, but playmakers. And that's why I think a guy like Peter Warwick, you remember when Cincinnati drafted him, the receiver out of Florida State? Yeah. And was ahead I, of his I, time. I'm not kidding. At the time, I was, at the time, I was like, this is a horrible pick. Right. But, but he was ahead of his time. Because there wasn't as much of an emphasis on that. I mean, the, back then in the end, you know, you saw Florida State getting him the ball in all sorts of situations. But, I mean, back then in that, in that NFL, you wouldn't have seen Percy Harvin line up at, at, at uh, you know, in the backfield. The yeah, Wildcat was either a wide wasn't receiver he? or you were a running back. And, I mean, that, that was about it. You didn't have – you're right. You're very, at that time, in, in 1999, you're talking about, that was the 1999 Florida State team. Marshall Falk was – Incredible because he played running back, and every once in a while they would put him in motion, and he'd fly out and he'd be a wide receiver, and you legitimately had to put a good cover corner on him, or else the Rams are going to burn you to death all day long. Uh, he pioneered this. Oh, he, without question, he did. I mean, there's other players that have done it. I mean, actually, the the guy who really pioneered that was Lenny Moore, the Colts. There, there's no doubt about that. He was the first and original one to do that. But then, if you think about it, nobody did that consistently until Marshall Falk 30 years later. You know, so there's a 30 year gap in between Lenny Moore and Marshall Falk. Right, and that's why Brian Westbrook was so valuable to the Eagles because he'd catch the ball out of the backfield and run the ball. He was, he, I mean, he was he was Mr. Everything in terms of accounting for their offense. And, but I'll tell you, they they could put like Buckhalter on the field and Westbrook, and you, are they going to go in the I formation with a small fullback and Buckhalter, or are they going to leave Buckhalter back there as a halfback and spread out Westbrook? Yeah, that or bring a guy huge, in motion. Huge, huge mismatch. That, that, uh, mismatch. That's like the Saints do with Reggie Bush. I mean, he's huge in their screen game. The screen games are becoming more an extension of the running game. And and by the way, I love the fact that Cutler can throw the screen pass. They didn't do it against the Jets, which I thought they should have done a little bit of. But uh, that is, I think, right now one of the Bears' biggest improvements on their offense is they actually can run the screen. Yeah, no, I agree. A- a- again, an extension of the running game. I mean, it's 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 playing into Matt Forte's best skill set. But, you know, back to the Eagles and back to what we were talking about, about playmakers, it's interesting because you remember they drafted Jeremy Macklin and Deshaun Jackson in back-to-back seasons, and they got criticized. Oh, they're the same player, both speedsters on the outside. Well, it's working out pretty well for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, when they drafted Jackson, I knew they got a stud. I wasn't 100% sold on Macklin, to be, uh, to be honest with you. I wasn't sure if that was a, a great pick, especially with it back-to-back years. It's working out, and, and it definitely, I think, has helped work out for the simple fact is they have so many good linemen. Year in and year out, the Eagles have awesome, awesome uh, up-front guys. You know, they, they drafted Brandon Graham last year, the, big, the silver football winner in the Big Ten, but he blew his knee out last week. And, you know, they went back to the whole, hey, you know, you got to get yourself an off the tackle and a pass rusher. Uh, but, you know, the Eagles tend to do things right. They tend to do things right, and that caught in the bottom with this whole Michael Vick thing. So. You know, I'll, I'll pull, I'll pull a line out of, out of, out of basketball. I'll pull a line from T.O. Just get me the ball. 
I mean, there's a lot of guys coming in the league right now who, you know, people aren't sure what kind of success they're going to have. How, how are they going to get the ball? Well, if you just get them the ball, we know they're playmakers. You know, that's uh, that, uh, that's the thing with Devin Hester. I mean, that's why they tried him at receiver. They want him to affect the game more than on punt returns and kickoffs. Mm. But you know where I'd put him, Big Dog? Make him your third down running back. No Get, get him involved in the handle, screen game. He cannot game. handle the pounding. He cannot. Get, n- never, I'm not ever, saying play. Ever. You play him 15 snaps at running back. Okay. Okay. You, I can't even explain how wrong you are about this. So, first of all, he couldn't handle the pounding. And secondly, the guy has the hardest thing that you could learn what to do is to know who to block in the passing game. And the third down running back, First and foremost, don't ask him. So Call screens. Get him in space. No, no. So the first thing a third down running back needs to know how to do is block. Is, I know. Is, and and most importantly, know who to block. It doesn't matter if you know how to. If you don't know who you have to block, I couldn't disagree more. With but that. if the play is called for him, if the, if the play is called for him, well, then what does it matter? Easy for the I mean, how many oh, times do they bring him in motion? He obviously won't know who to block. He's getting the ball. How many times? Big dog. They line him up in the backfield all. The time they they bring him in motion and he ends up setting in the backfield. They, they do that all the time. They're getting the ball, but he isn't blocking anybody. Do you remember when Cedric Benson was horrible when he first started with the Bears? Yeah, it's because when he was he on couldn't the block. Field, I know everybody knew he was getting the ball because he couldn't block anybody. Fine, so, so he would get the ball and get two and a half yards, and so he'd run off the field and nobody liked him. So put Jason McKee out there, draft another fullback and put him out there, and he'll block. Or go with a two-back set. You're going to have three wide receivers going out on a. I, I just you can't put Devin Hester in the backfield. He, he's not. He, he he's been able to pick up the, the what route to run, let alone who he's supposed to block in the passing game. This I, I've had this argument before. So. So you I, you, I was, you think he should continue to play receiver? I I think he should be the the Bears' full-time return guy and part-time slot receiver. Yes, absolutely. I do not trust Devin Hester blocking for Jay Cutler whatsoever. You know, you're paying him as a number one receiver. Don't you think he should get the ball a little more? Well, considering that uh, it's, you, it's, you have to be explosive to be a receiver. I don't know too many people that can play every single down and also be an effective wide receiver. So if he plays half the plays at wide receiver and returns, I, he really, really helps the team overall in general. So I just... I, I honestly said the most important thing a third down uh, running back has to be able to do is block. Uh, really, that's that's the that's not catch the ball to be able to block. That doesn't mean you can't play two running backs on third down. Well, we're gonna take a break. We'll we'll talk. We'll 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 bring this conversation back. We'll talk a little bit more NFL, and then we're gonna go to the academics, the college game. We'll talk a little bowl season, college football bowl season, and then there's something about Kansas's basketball team I'd like to bring up couple of minutes. See you then.
Hello, friends. I've always wanted to do that. Probably sounds better when Jim Nance does it. Seth Gruen sitting in studio. Dave Olson behind the glass. Our producer, the big dog, checking in from his palace in Aurora. We'd love for you to check in. 888-GO-FOR-IT's the number. That's 888-463-6748. We've been heavy NFL. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting as, as I was watching Joe Webb last night, and I know we're not going to, big dog, you didn't want to talk so much Vikings, but I'm thinking, not, yeah. but, but, but I'm thinking, you know, as I see Michael Vick and Joe Webb on the field at the same time, and basically how, how Vick's not, hasn't been just able to resurrect his life, but his game as a quarterback. I'm wondering if people, if scouts and general managers are having second thoughts about the value of an athletic quarterback, especially if you, as you see Tim Tebow having some success. Now, I'm not saying that in the NFL they're going to ever run the option offense because they won't. The linebackers are way too fast and takes way too long to develop. Not more than one play. However, do you think, Big Dog, there's 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 going to be a new school of thought as, as to hey, look at what Andy Reid did. He took Michael Vick, a really athletic quarterback. He he made him into a pass first quarterback. But now Vic uses his athleticism as a secondary option. In other words, he's not get, he, he doesn't get sacked as much. Yes, last night's game excluded. He doesn't get sacked that much. And, and, and he, when his receivers aren't open, he, he can turn what would be an incomplete pass into a positive play, even if it's just five or six yards. Do you think they look at a guy like a Cam Newton and, and say, hey, we can coach this guy up? We turn him into a passer, and his, his athleticism is just gravy. Well, that's a, it's an excellent question, and I think you're going to love my answer. It's a copycat league, so now everyone's like, oh, no, we need the athletic quarterback. And then all of a sudden, let's think about what happened yesterday. Hmm. Michael Vick got hit really hard early in the leg uh, in the game. He's limping around. He wasn't very effective the rest of the game. That's what happens. If you want to go out and get yourself an athletic quarterback – Go right ahead, because you'll have games against the Redskins where you score 59 points. Right. The wear and tear of an NFL season, eventually by the time the playoffs are coming up and you got some guy who's just some athlete back there running around, you know what? All of a sudden, they can't run around anymore. Well, you notice you Vic's risk, running out of bounds you risk, more. You risk getting injured. And and if you don't think it'll happen, all I know about this is the, the, the Texas Longhorns were incredible last season. They had a running quarterback first quarter. I know this is a college game, but still, it, it translates. This college game, they don't hit as hard as they do in the NFL. Well, this quarterback was running, got hit by Alabama defender, knocked out of the game with a stinger. I mean, it's really not even an injury. It's like a little nerve uh, numbness. And guess what? Texas got hammered the rest of that game. If you are willing to go with an athletic quarterback, you better have a really, really good backup. Athletic quarterbacks, overrated. Throughout the course of a season, they'll end up hurting you more than they're helping you. So, yes, I do think now some people are being like, yeah, we need an athletic quarterback. And then uh, come the Bears game when the Eagles play, the, uh, the Bears come into Soldier Field and Vic is still limping around and Julius Peppers gets to catch up with him, pick him up and drop him on his head. All of a sudden people will be like, yeah, maybe we need to just have a quarterback that is in the pocket and gets rid of the ball. So it's a copycat league. So right now everybody wants an athletic one, but when Michael Vick gets carried, uh, scraped off the field in the middle of the playoffs, we'll go back to normal football. Well, you te- teach your guy to slide. You teach your guy to run out of bounds. Let me tell you something. I, I-, I can't tell you. How many two-minute drills I've seen killed because of a sack? I mean, this guy keeps plays alive, big dog. Well, you can get rid of the ball to the right receiver, too, to avoid sacks. Peyton Manning doesn't get sacked very often, and uh, 
you saw how athletic he was against the Raiders when he had a 25-yard head start on the rest of the defense and got caught well, five yards later when he was sliding at the two. You don't have to be a great athlete in order to avoid sacks. Dan Marino, was he considered a great athlete? The guy had the lowest sack percentage ever in the history of football. Nobody yeah. threw the ball more and got sacked less. But it's a different league now, Big Doug. Big Doug, what are the three most important positions they say when building a football team? Well, it, I don't know what they say. I don't know what they say. Well, well, a left, if you're talking it, about specific positions, because quite honestly, it, it goes like this. Your quarterback, your defensive line, and your corners. Or left tackle. You, you need a guy to protect, protect your franchise quarterback. But that's 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 irrelevant. You said defensive line. So it's a pass rush defensive end, right? So yeah, well, yeah, that's you're because specific one position. Yeah, you're right. It's quarterback, it's left yeah. tackle, and then it's your weak side corner. Because if you got a guy like Joe see, Reeves that can shut people down, then guess see, what? See, I say defensive end. I say, I say that's why the Texans drafted Mario Williams instead of Reggie Bush and Vince Young because they knew they'd be playing Peyton Manning for several years to come twice a year because they're in the same division. Mm-hmm. I, I say defensive end. And the, and the reason for that is sacks change the game. So if you have a guy that could turn a would-be sack into a 10-yard gain, that has value for me. For me. Sacks are drive killers because you end up being second and 20, third and 20, and those aren't attainable downs. Well, well, you're, you're right about that, and just because just if you can, I, I can name every single quarterback that's ever played in the Super Bowl. Name, name one uh, athletic quarterback that's ever won the Super Bowl. It's a new league now. It's changing. One, w- won the Super and, Bowl. And it, you, I can't tell you how many times throughout this league that you know, like Michael Dick was supposed to change football before he was uh, thrown out. He okay? was a, a year okay, before he signed a mega contract. Vince Evans couldn't. I mean, there's been so many athletic quarterbacks that were supposed to change the game of football. It's yet to happen. Okay, so even if it happens this year, if this is the first year it ever does happen, it doesn't mean that it's it'll be more of a coincidence than a trend or something that's that's really happening. If you want to win and you want to avoid sacks. Get a quarterback that get that knows where the blitz is coming from and where to get the ball out of his hand. I'll take that much. Of more. course, as that's I the said, most important thing. You you coach him up. Let me ask you something. Without his mobility, would you take Michael Vick? He's got a pretty damn good arm. No, I would not. You wouldn't. I would you, not. You you, you wouldn't because I, I I will have to say that eighty percent of his success from his passing has come from the fact that he's so freaking elusive. Exactly. So elusive. Because he can hold a linebacker. That's what I'm saying. It well, helps the passing game. Well when he the the problem is if you're gonna go with a guy like Michael Vick, you better expect the fact that he's not going there's gonna be a game where he won't be able to move and run around like last night. And he wasn't very good last night. He missed well, a lot of open passes. He got stacked a lot. He threw to the wrong receiver. He seemed rushed and it was all because on the first play of the game's Somebody blew up his thigh, and now he's got a thigh bruise. And if that game happens to be in the playoffs, your team is knocked out of the playoffs. Well, first of all, I, I think I, I think Michael Vick is in the – I'm not going to say he's, he's Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, but I think he's one of the better passing quarterbacks in the league right now. I really believe that. I think he's got the arm. I think he makes heady decisions now, and I think he's finally a pass-first quarterback. He's and that's, like, that's he's the in, most in important the thing with, 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 with a guy who's an athlete. That's the most, but but I will say this: as you said, his ability to run holds the linebackers. It clears things up in the secondary and opens up passing lanes. Real quick, big dog, because we're going to break. We got to end this NFL conversation. It's not an NFL show, and I want to talk 
some college football and college hoops. Any Pro Bowl snubs uh, that you noticed? I care less about that. I can care less. I, hopefully there's zero Bears playing in the Pro Bowl. That's, there that's are four. There are four. It's, it's, so it's, hopefully there will be none that play. It's Peppers, Hester, Erlacher, and Briggs. But we'll, well, you may not want to talk about the Pro Bowl, but we'll talk about the upcoming Bowls tonight, especially because my Illini are playing Baylor in the Texas Bowl. And we'll do that right after this break. You've got two guys in the mic, Seth Grun and the Big Dog Edge. Welcome back in to Two Guys and a Mic, Seth Gruen in studio, talking to the big dog via the phone line. If you want to talk to us on the phone, 888-GO-FOR-IT. That's 888-463-6748. Big dog, we got a trio of bowl games coming up. In the first one, and in sequential order, these are all on ESPN tonight, East Carolina versus Maryland in the military bowl presented by Northrop Grumman, which uh, I needed in it. You know, you know, some of these damn bowl games the names are so long i need a, need an external hard drive to hold them all you know back in the day we used to do the morning break uh every year we used to do this thing where i would come up with the name of a bowl and you would have to say whether or not it was a real bowl or not i did that not i played that game with the morning break i remember that i'm not kidding you even like really good people got about half of them right it was it was so hard that when i would look back at them i would have to I had to write down because I remember the first year I did it, I actually forgot whether or not they were real bowls. That's how bad yeah, it was. You, you and I always need to be careful when we talk about bowl, college football and bowls in particular because then we start going off on the BCS. And, you know, I, we, we have the same exact solution for it. And it's just going to turn into a to BCS haters. And, and, and we got to get to my Illini, who, who are the next game, Illinois versus Baylor in the Texas Bowl. And then the uh, the last game of the night, number 14, Oklahoma State versus Arizona in the Valero Alamo Bowl. Big night in my family. My brother went to Arizona. I went to Illinois. But uh, you want to start breaking down this Illinois-Baylor uh, game for us, Big Dog? Well, quite simply, the, the best player on the field is going to be Baylor's quarterback, Robert Griffin. But like to be honest with you, everybody else, the next 21 best players on the field are all for the University of Illinois. Yeah. So and, Illinois could just figure out how to contain this kid, they're going to be all right. And for you Illinois fans, we could be seeing um, two players play their last game in an Illini uniform, juniors Martez Wilson and Mikel LaShore. I covered Mikel LaShore when he was at Champaign Centennial in uh, in high school. Uh, I was in college at Illinois. This is uh, like 2006, 2007. That guy is a man-child. I, I think he's going to be a great NFL running back. Um, probably he's, a – go ahead, Big Doug. I would say he's like a step behind uh, Rashad, Rashad Mendenhall. Yeah, he, he's not as good as him, but he's like just below that class of how good of a running back the kid's going to be I, in the NFL. I, I agree, but who really knows? I mean, I, I I think he'll be a contributor on an NFL team for sure. I think he will contribute next year on an NFL team. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the, running back's the easiest position to contribute as long as you learn know who to block in the passing game. Right, so basically. They're like, are right, you going to get the ball and you're supposed to go there? Okay, coach. 
Hey, That's I, really all you have to know. And what, what, so. what he also has going for him is he's a big guy. I think he's like 220 pounds, 6'1", yeah. like 220. And yeah. What what he really has going for him is you could never have enough of those running backs. I mean, I, I'm fine. I'd be fine if the Bears drafted him and they had Matt Forte, Chester Taylor, and Michaela Shore. Fine. That would be that'd be fine with me. I would take that. Actually, if they do that, Chester Taylor might get his release. Yeah, and but the 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 other guy, Martez Wilson, who uh, who's an outside linebacker for the Bears or for for the Illini, and I, I I thought throughout his career they should just let him use his athleticism and play defensive end. It, it might be the most disappointing Illini player in recent memory. He's had a nice year this year. But this well, is a guy who Ron Zook recruited as a first-team All-American out of Simeon. Uh, he played defensive end in high school, and, and he just hasn't he hasn't had the career, I, I think, that most people thought he would. He is not fundamentally sound. And there's, there's something really simple. When, right, you, when you play inside linebacker, you have to go inside and out on people which you think would be easy for a guy like Martez Wilson, because basically your job is to hunt people down. You don't have contain at inside linebacker. Your only responsibilities you have is, is whatever gap at the snap of the ball, and then you fly to the ball and hunt people down. But when he, when he played defensive end in high school, they made him an outside linebacker at Illinois. Right. And you're supposed to contain an outside linebacker. You have actual little bit of responsibility of kicking the ball back to the inside linebacker. And I swear he played middle linebacker like that for – the first, last year, I know he got hurt early, and in the previous year, and a little bit early this year. At the end of this year, he actually started hunting people and using his great athleticism. So I couldn't agree more. The guy has been, without question, one of the biggest disappointments on this team. But at least the light turned on. And I'm not kidding you, the last couple of games of this season, he was playing like a real Mike linebacker should. So Right, and don't forget, oftentimes, a linebacker's responsibility is to take on a tight end. I mean, even if you're on the weak side, typically that falls on the strong side linebacker, but even if you're on the weak side, if they bring that tight end in motion, you, you've you got to take them on because if it's a running play and the tight end gets on the second level, that could be a, too big a play. So, I, I mean, in fairness to him, sometimes his responsibility isn't to go after the quarterback, but... You know, I kind of think that uh, Zook and his staff kind of screwed this one up. But he'll test well. He'll get drafted well. What do you, what do you know about Baylor? Uh, Baylor is just they run the spread option. They've got a decent running back. Uh, I've I watched a couple of Baylor games early. Watched the CCU game where they got absolutely annihilated. Uh, watched uh, another. I watched. Uh, what I'm trying to think of the was it the Missouri? Yeah, it was the Missouri game where they totally blew that early in the year. They've got a pretty decent team. But it's they're basically if if they handle their quarterback for this Robert Griffin kid, the Illinois will win. It's it's the simplest. Yeah, thing. and I, and I love I love U of I's uh, defensive line. I think Corey they played great. This, yeah, Corey Nerd. Legit. He's on my all name team, by the way. Him along with uh, NBA ref Haywood Workman. <laughs> well, uh, I, well, Clay Nurse is the the, the end on the other side. I, I tell you something, they got a nice nice defensive line. Illinois Illinois is a superior team, so. Hopefully they actually show up to play. Yeah, and I'd like to see them win no a bowl game. for them to lose this game. Yeah, hopefully. We know Baylor will show up. They, they don't have to go very far to travel because uh, that school is in what, Houston? Yeah, no, it's in Waco, It's which is central. Uh, Houston is like southeastern Texas. Waco is like in the middle of nowhere, Texas. And here's, everybody always riffs the Big Ten. Oh, they always do poorly in bowls. Well, when people say that, always remember this. The, the Big Ten teams always play one up in terms of the conferences they play. So Illinois, which finished like seventh or sixth in the Big Ten, 
is playing a team that finished fifth or sixth okay. in the Big 12. Oh, and by the way, they're playing that team in Texas. And every year they play that team in Texas, which is Big 12 country. Uh, and another, like Michigan State playing Alabama. Right, the, the big... It's in, it's in SEC country. Ohio State playing Arkansas in SEC country. It's a joke. And, and so when you when people rip the Big Ten for not doing as well in bowls, consider that. Everyone. Right. Oh, absolutely. They're they're playing away games. Not to mention the fact that don't forget. Usually, or, or a lot of times, you see a Big Ten team in the national championship. The Big Ten has 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 played up in bowl games a lot of years. That that's exactly what I'm talking about. They always play up a, a seven and five Iowa team playing a ten and two Missouri team. Okay, that's that's just look at that. What does that make any sense? No. So, like, if, if Missouri would have come back, if uh, Gibbert, Gibbert, Gabbert, whatever his name is, doesn't throw the worst interception I've ever seen, you know, everyone's going to be like, yeah, the Big Ten took another one on the chin. Why are they playing a team with three more wins than them in the bowl game? So, it's that's what cracks me up about it. Normally, if you look, the matchups are always, like, number five Big Ten playing number three SEC. It yeah. doesn't make any sense. Shouldn't they be playing the, if the SEC is so good and dominant? Why aren't they playing the number five team in the right. SEC versus and five and team? the don't forget a, a, a lot of times in, in the contention I have with with these these other conferences in both football and basketball is that they're top heavy. I mean, you look at the SEC. Yeah, the top tier teams are really really good, but but they don't really have a lot of great middle of the road type teams. You know, like the your Iowa this year. Does. Well, I mean, those Florida years, it was Florida, Alabama. I mean, this is the first good year Auburn's had. Auburn's had some really, really good years. Don't forget they were undefeated in 04. Not recently. Pretty good seasons. You know, I know that uh, uh, Tommy Tupperville had some really good teams. And before Chiswick, I'm trying to remember, they, I mean, they had like two years where they only won like seven or eight games and that got the coach fired. Yeah, well, it's about look. It's about winning. It's not about graduating players or anything like that. We know that. I mean, Charlie Weiss had the best uh, graduation rate in uh, college football, and he got fired. It wasn't. It wasn't Army or Navy or Air Force. Uh, I don't know if they count that in in that. I mean, obviously those, all those they all graduate. Obviously, uh, I think yeah, they all graduate. Maybe they, maybe they don't put in the the military institutions. But you know, it brings me to another point I want to make. Uh, that um, deals with something with Kansas basketball, actually, on the hardwood. Um, their leading scorer, Marcus Morris, did you hear he was taken out of the starting lineup, Big Dog? Uh, no, I did, did not hear did, that. Did you hear what he did? I have no idea. I know who Marcus Morris is. I just don't know what happened. A week ago, on December 22nd, he threw an elbow um, at Cal's Harper camp and got ejected from the game. Obviously, he should get ejected. Well, Bill Self took him out of the starting lineup today. Why it took a week, I don't know. But um, this is a quote from Bill Self. This is in the AP story. Marcus has to be smarter than that. That was a very, very immature play that he made. He's cost himself a starting position. He'll play, but he certainly has to be more mature than that because he's too valuable. So they're taking out of the starting lineup, but he'll play. So, so maybe he won't play the first two minutes, but then he'll play the rest of the game. I mean, what is with college sports and these stupid, idiotic punishments? I mean, if you want to punish him, suspend him. You know, that would hurt his, his pro potential. Or, or here's a novel idea. You want to really punish him, big dog? Send him to class. Why would you want to do that? That'll take up practice time. Well, the, don't, the, their classes are scheduled around practices. Don't forget there's a mandated number of hours. Well, that's, I, I mean, that's, that's absolutely the, ludicrous. The, these punishments are so absurd. 
So, so he's not going to get, he's not going to get, when they're at, when they're in Kansas and, and playing a home game, he's not going to get his name called out when they turn out the lights. Big deal. Big deal. So what, he's going to play two minutes later? You don't think this guy's going to see starters minutes? His minutes aren't going to be hurt. I mean, this is lip service. He'll be back in the starting lineup by the time Big 12 plays. Oh, of course. Well, Big 12, Big 12 season has started. That's okay. why they didn't suspend him. That's why. That's why he'll play. That's why B- B- Bill Self made a point to say he'll play. He'll play. Of course he'll play. He's your leading scorer. Of- you know, doesn't Kansas have enough talent, depth-wise, that they can give somebody else an opportunity? Can kind of grab it by the horns. You know, you know I, I, wouldn't I, you think? Wouldn't you think? You would think so, but I, not having him obviously makes your team worse. If you think of the greatest coaches ever in the history of college basketball, they'd have no problem suspending people, for, like legitimately. Like John Wooden was like, all right, Bill Walton, you don't want to cut your hair? Okay, don't come to practice. Well, don't forget, Bill Walton was arrested and he still played. That, that the, There are some questions about that UCL pro, UCLA program. Oh, huge, huge. I, <laughs> you can, they, they were one of the they, – they, the whole team was paid for. Of the course. The whole team was paid for. Of so. course. You talk about paying players – it's just, I mean, because John, John Wooden was, you know, such a beloved coach and, and great basketball coach. I mean, great X's and O's guy and by all accounts a great recruiter. And, and, you know, he built that program up from nothing. But yeah, that, 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 that program was dirty too. I mean, it's just, you know, you know, I, to some degree I can understand it. And to some degree it's as much the fans fault as it is the players or the coaches. Because if a coach doesn't win, fans are screaming for his head, you know? I know I am. I mean, I mean, do you really do you do you really sit at home and say, you know what, we're we're two and nine this season, but boy, does he graduate a lot of players. I can care less about that. Like I said, I get upset when these kids go to class. I can care less about them. All I want is victories. I'm not kidding. Mm -hmm. You think I'm not kidding at all? As far as I'm concerned, these kids are privileged. They've been coddled their whole life. So continue it the four years while they're playing football and basketball at the University of Illinois. Just don't get, uh, don't don't rape anybody, don't rob anybody's stereo in the middle of the night, and get out of Illinois without doing anything stupid. Uh, see, I and see. You, and, but you know what? I decided to be this way because I was sick and tired of how uh, hypocritical the NCAA is. So that's what I'm turning it into. They're just there for my entertainment. Well, yeah, it's, it's yes, yes, but you can't let go of the fact that you know, sta- you know, the standard argument they are getting an education, and I think it's. It's good when you see a player who understands the value of that because so few players go pro. Now, I know a lot of football players, you know, can play in, in various leagues, and, and basketball players can actually make a really good living playing overseas. But, you know, it, you, you can go to class and be a good basketball team. And I, and I hate the notion, you know, we, we don't have a lot of time to get into this, but I, I hate the notion that college basketball has turned into an AAU program or a health club or a bridge to the NBA. No, I mean, I I like to see team continuity, for for you know, as much as the fact that it totally devalues the education and and, and none of these one and done guys go to class. But but I like to see the continuity. I mean I mean you saw last year. Butler make it to the title game because they were a good team. They didn't have the best players. They were but but they were one of the best teams. So it was beautiful. I- I was semi-joking about what I was saying. No, I, mean, I, I know, I know, I know what you're saying. You're you're, you're you're mocking the NCAA. 
That's exactly what I'm doing. You're mocking the NCAA. And in a lot of respects, the NCAA forces these guys to go pro. We talked about that Monday. I mean, I I know Devere Posey said he's coming back for his senior season, but that's probably because he doesn't think, you know, he'll be drafted high enough. But you even heard heard Mike Bellotti say... If Pryor thinks he's going to get drafted high, he's an idiot. Well, he might get drafted in the first three rounds. I mean, you you even heard Mike Bellotti say, you know, in that situation... Mike Bellotti was his former athletic director at Oregon and former football coach. In that situation, if uh, a player is going to be drafted in the first three rounds, he tells him to go. He tells him to go. Well, it's time for us yeah. to go, big dog. It was right, great. Seth. Fun Stay two days. Me. Thanks for checking in. Thank you guys for listening. want to wish uh, some best wishes to my cousin Robin, who's in Canada. They don't have much football there. but They do have moose heads. They do have moose heads. It's Toronto. Thanks for listening these past couple of days. Dave Olson, it was a pleasure. You'll get the coach back tomorrow. To all you listeners, Happy New Year. See you on the flip side.